There is a decent chance that I am going to be driven insane by breakout rates and hit rates. I never saw it come. I didn't think that stat, that that simple thing would be what did it. But there's a good chance that it's going to do it. Look, someone must have posted or asked me about hit rates last week because I have been neck deep in trying to update some articles I used to share with people um, back when FS Statistics still existed as a separate website about when players break out. And so it started off real simple, just updating that data. But not to get... Not to bore the pants off if you too much, but it's it's really difficult and finicky data to work with because you've got to decide on thresholds. You've got to collect draft capital as well as draft year and career year if you really want to get into it. And the formulas step over each other and rookie undrafted free agents don't often get tracked in their first year because they don't do anything. And so they're... First year starts at like year two or three, but the formula you were using specifically needed a one in that column, and it does, and it's it's broken so many ways. No, let me put that another way. It has broken me so many ways. I, it's five a.m. It's past five a.m. This was meant to be recorded two days ago, way before five a.m. And I just keep coming back to it. And it's not just the data. It's because I actually recorded two pretty decent podcasts. Just, you know, talking about breakout rates, hit rates, some trends. Things I've done before. Things I wrote in that article. Things I just know, frankly. And I I left it for a while. Because believe it or not, I do kind of just turn the mic on and talk. I think that's fairly obvious. Same with um, interviews or when I get someone else on the podcast. I prefer it just to be a conversation. It goes where it goes. But it's not like I don't spend a lot of time trying to make the content good or interesting or listenable or actionable or something. You know, um, I find out about things. I don't find too many things. I think there's been a few things I've helped push down the road maybe. But I don't find things. I'm not going to be uh, Sean Siegel. I'm not going to find Zero RB. But I can sure as hell find out about Zero RB, how it works, if this is a good year, if this is a bad year, what are the trends. That's kind of what. That's kind of where I sit. I don't think I'm going to invent stuff, but I can learn about stuff and then tell you all what I learn and what I think it means, but you can disagree, right? So... Hit rates. Here's the thing that got me deleting those podcasts before I got driven re-insane by it all over again. Because there's so many calculate. Do you, you want to know how many... The percentage of all positional breakouts have happened since 2007 that running backs in the first round, drafted in the first round, in their first career make? I thought that would be fun. And it was... But, like, it took an hour, and I really shouldn't have spent that... Anyway, really shouldn't have spent that time. Anyway, there's just so many fun ways of looking at percentage. But anyway. So, where was I? Ah, yes. I'm just going to do wide receivers in this episode, by the way. I'm not going to go through all positions again. I can't. I just can't. We're going to go one position at a time, and I'll do the other position when I'm sane again. 
but wide receivers this this uh, this season, this episode. The thing that got me re-recording the episode was the snake oil nature of hit rates. I don't think like describing them and then mentioning it at the end felt so wrong because the snake oil and everything. Just in case you hadn't noticed, especially statistics. You know how to lie with statistics. I, I'm an honest actor in this space. I, you know, I, I, the one rule that I've always had from the start is like I'm just going to tell truth and then I can't get in too much trouble with that. I can make mistakes, but I was honest and I showed you my data so you could have found it too. That That's it. But there's a snake oil nature to hit rates because they tell you nothing about a player. I mean, draft round, yeah, I'm adjusting my draft round. Hit rates by draft round, which is how it starts to spiral, by the way. But it tells you what the teams or the NFL or a particular team thought about a player in that year. So it never really says much about them. And context, and you know, just stick with the old NFL stats are twice as predictive of any particular thing. Fantasy points or anything else. Than anything from college. The best things I can get from college are half as predictive. So all of it gets wrapped up into things that we now know about a player from year one, from year two, from year three. And mostly, when we dig into stuff like this, what I found, even myself, I found myself folding it into what I already knew of the player, which is the way to do it, but it's background context. If you know about the player, then go look at the hit rate. That's, that's backwards. This is stuff you should know as you're evaluating or looking at players and understanding. And it's hard to go back and not know about players and know this stuff first, right? Which is why there were foundation articles that I put out so that people could have them early as possible, and now they're not available, so back to updating it. Anyway, it's just worth noting that this is background noise on likelihood. Like, is it good to know that wide receivers break out at a phenomenally better rate in their second season than their first season? Yes. Second and third season, about as likely, but you can lean second year pretty strongly. And that was really helpful going into last year and the year before, right? Because last year, all the 2018 wide receivers hit. So hope you listen to that trend. But you have to know when to lean into that trend if you just know hit rates. And frankly, if you just know hit rates, some of the best players, the best players, are always the ones, you know, that you don't see coming. Anthony Amico says it all the time. It, It's... Aiming for the rarer thing, the rarer things tends to be more value and actually of greater importance to winning a fantasy season or increasing in dynasty value for that much. And that is incredibly true. For example, there's an overall trend of the earlier you do more in the NFL, break out at whatever threshold you can to name, the earlier you do it, the overarching average is for that player to be better. And we could read through the list of names a year one, two, three breakouts, and it's very, very obvious that the heights across all three years, but like if you were going to choose which group to have, you would choose the players who broke out across any metric, any any threshold you care to name in year one. I mean, year two group is amazing. Year three group is pretty good. But you want year one breakouts. Does that mean that DeAndre Hopkins, who took a little longer, or Roddy White, are not good? No, that's ridiculous. You want... So if you just lend into the average, you miss some of the best heights, right? So 
again, there's a snake oil nature to this. These statistics are based around the player. So I'm putting that up front as well as my rant about how I'm now insane. So just bear that in mind. All right. But let's know what we can know and then get back to playing fantasy football. Breakout rates for wide receiver. Some, some overarching things that you should know. Obviously, players drafted at higher draft capital matters more. If you're using breakout rates or someone else is using breakout rates and they're talking about breakout rates for anyone drafted outside the third round, stop stop doing that. You, we should really smush everyone from the third round on into one category. It doesn't help out much, but it helps see the trend a little better because, frankly, fifth-round wide receivers, right? They have a 33% hit rate in year one. Zero in year two, 33% in year three, zero in year four. You get the picture. Because there's so few of them, it just looks random. And 33% sounds great until you recognize there are so few of them. There's like one, one hit every other year. So we should really smush everyone outside the third round into one group, including undrafted free agents. And that's what I'll do when I get to the articles. I'll show, just like the data that I'll link in this podcast in the, in the description notes that you can go and see. It's on Patreon. Um, it's, it's as I'm actually pretty proud of it at this point. It's got a list of breakout players since 2000. It's got tables for all. Draft round versus career year hit rates. It, it's fancy and got colors and everything. You'll hate it. But... Um, I've also got a tab for 2020 players. So this that's the structure of this episode. I'm going to talk about the general hit rates and what I'm calling breakout rate. And I'll define them. Then we're going to talk about um, 2020 class or 2020 season and what that might mean for certain players. I'm going to pick and choose from different tiers, players that caught my eye. So wide receivers first. And I still feel like I'm doing an introduction 12 minutes in. I figure... You have to forgive me for that. Again, mostly insane right now. All right, so wide receivers draft in the first round, 47% of them hit. When do they hit? Well, the majority of them hit in round one and round two. Overall, more players break out in year two to the tune of about twice as likely. Since 2007, by the way, is a date range I've just just knuckled down and decided that's fine. 2007 arbitrary line very nice thank you um like 45 percent of all breakouts happen in year two or that's the average breakout rate across all draft capital 29 percent is the average in season one or uh, year one and 25 in year three so there's a strong peak at year two but that's the average based on the breakout rate. And by breakout rate, I mean the percentage of the breakouts that do occur. If all breakouts since 2007 were a single class, what percentage of them happened in year one, two, and three from their different draft capitals? That's what breakout rate is. It's a different, and I'm using a different term to separate it out from hit rate, which just is just a percentage of players from any particular draft round that hit. The thresholds I'm using, should have put this earlier, Again, partly insane. Um, wide receivers, I'm using a top 24 breakout season. So the first year they finished in the top 24 in PPR points. 
Same with running back, although I do also have a 12, um, top 12 threshold in here. So RB12 is top 12, and I'll get to that when I get to running back, okay? <laughs> and uh, tight ends and quarterbacks, I'm using the first season. They had a top 12 season as well. All right. So wide receivers were just talking about when they had their first top 24 season. So AJ Brown has already done it. All right. So... 29, 45, 25. Those are the average breakout rates across the first three years for all draft capital wide receivers. However, there is a very strong trend for wide receivers with more draft capital to break out earlier than wide receivers with less draft capital, which makes sense. To the tune of first round wide receivers break out at about an even rate between round one, uh, round one, year one and year two, whereas second round wide receivers break out phenomenally more in their second year so Denzel Mims for example coming up this year he on average or since 2007 based on this huge humongous breakout draft class since 2007 the majority of those players broke out in year two if they were drafted in round two so he's slightly quote-unquote, less likely to break out this year compared to a C.D. Lamb or compared to a Justin Jefferson. But again, the snake oil in that is that we know more about Denzel Mims than these two things can tell us. And I think he's in a really unique situation, and I kind of like him for for year one, and I do expect at least a 10% target share, but we're not going to an hour-long podcast, so I'm not going to do a rant too much on Denzel Mims just now. Anyway... Um, it does drop for round two players at wide receiver to 27% in year three, but that's still a really strong hit rate. Now, the other area is this trend between draft capital um, meaning something in terms of when a player breaks out is that the breakout rate for wide receivers going into year three plummets. So they're about as likely to break out in year one as year two to about 40, 40% of Wide receivers drafting the first round break out in year one and 40% break out in year two. But that means 80% of the breakouts have already happened by the time we get to year three. Devontae Parker's throwing a little noise in here, as well as a few other players since 2007. But most of them happen in year two or earlier, around year one or two. It drops to a 9% breakout rate by the third year since 2007 for wide receivers drafted in the first round. Whereas wide receivers drafted in round two does drop, but it only drops 27%. And wide receivers drafted in round three, 25% of those breakouts since 2007 happened in the third year. And so you can see this trend of it's the, the rate of breakouts in this mega breakout class moving strongly to around two and three players the further into the, this draft class that we get, this imaginary homogenous breakout class since 2007. Now, if we smush, and we should, rounds four to undrafted free agent together, that trend holds true too. Many Now, Overall, they're still more likely to break out in round in second in the second year because of players like Adam Thielen and there being so few. But I do think we can see more of a trend for players drafted after round three to break out beyond season two. And this is one of the illogical things at wide receiver that doesn't jump off the page in that there are peak there's a peak on average 
based on your draft capital when you're more likely to break out. Now, interestingly, at tight end, when I get there, because that's not today, don't do it, Pete. You're better to look at age than season, although Rotoviz is, is correct. I called, I, I like kind of suggested maybe they're not once, but they're definitely correct that more tight ends, or there's a better breakout rate for tight ends in their second season, but there's some oddities to it. I'm not going to... All right, more tight ends break out after year two than in year two or before it. I and mean, that's the only position you can say that when you're breaking it down by career year. So by the time you get to year three, the majority of wide receivers that are going to break out in this huge breakout class have already broken out. And that makes sense since it's a peak and a trough. At tight end, it doesn't work that way. And that's because I think it has a lot more to do with development than opportunity as it does with wide receiver. Obviously, all players need to develop in the NFL. There's another world, but anyway, I'm getting off the point. I'll talk about it when we get to tight end. All right, so those those are the rough numbers we need to know. And if you didn't memorize them or you didn't write them down, you don't want to follow the spreadsheet link, don't blame you. You shouldn't. It should be background noise to context of individual players, right? So you don't need to remember 47% of round one wide receivers break out in total and that 80 percent of them have done it by year three by year three so in in year one or two you just need to know in general first round wide receivers should are inclined we should be more increasingly more worried about them the longer it takes them to do any anything significant in the nfl and it's important to remember that snake oil point and that no player is the same and no situation is the same. And that's why I'm saying it that way. They should do something. They should be impressive or hit certain thresholds. Because we could choose any breakout threshold. I'm using PPR seasons because it's simple, it's easy to understand, and I don't get confused as a very simple man. But, like, we'll get to it when I talk about 2020 players, but, like, Nikhil Harry sucked in year one. I think that's much more important than his first round draft capital, but I still want to hold on to his college profile, so we have to put that in context. So if in year two, he bucks the trend of wide receivers hitting such low production and opportunity thresholds in year one, and actually jumps up to, what, 14%, but is still nothing in fantasy football, that's significant. Okay, it's not the breakout threshold I want. He's still less likely to be the... the, God-given wide receiver one of my team that I really hoped he would be. But that is different than if he just keeps not doing anything, right? And so year three, we'll start to pay attention to that hit rate a little bit more if he can increase it, even just increase it, do something good in the NFL in year two. Where does it meet or compare to the thresholds for second-year players? Well, will be how we do that. So it's not necessarily about them hitting this thresholds, especially if we want to apply it to individual players. It's just to understand the general trend of players based on how much opportunity or the situation they get thrown into, just based on draft capital and the expectation of teams. Um, increasingly, there's less expectation, less opportunity the earlier, the later you're drafted. And so they get a bit lower, but more leeway. So at a certain point, you're actually more likely to favor wide receivers drafted later in their career, uh, the further they get in their career, than wide receivers drafted early. Where to do that is, in the generic, very, very simple. Wide receivers after year two drafted in the first round, you should really strongly be fading them in favor of round two and three 
uh, wide receivers. In fact, you can do that during year two, frankly. You shouldn't wait till that offseason. Um, after that point, wide receivers who haven't broken out from round one or two or three, you can actually start fading towards those other prospects that you like from that draft class. If they haven't broken out, but they stayed on the same team and done some interesting things in the NFL, Justin Watson hasn't really managed to hit any of those any of those kind of things, by the way, that's a name that comes to mind, who might start to get more interesting than J.J. Sager-Whiteside if the same things continue to happen in 2020. But Justin Watson himself hasn't also. He has stuck to the team, which is positive, but hasn't really worked his way onto the field. And that, that team is so crowded now, it's hard to see how you could, unless it's talent. Uh, I still think he has it, but anyway. All right. So again, if you want to see the overall picture of breaking down career year breakout rates and comparing with draft round hit rates, follow the link in the notes there or go to my Patreon or Twitter. It's probably all over there, probably with pictures of me with somehow gray hair at this point. All right, um, all right. some players I wanted to talk about at the wide receiver position going into 2020. So what I did is I pulled up my projections I deleted everyone that's already had a top 24 season. See you later, AJ Brown. And some other players that you already like. And just brought in the breakout rate. So the rate that players have hit, if they've hit, since 2007. As well as their draft round hit rate. And then just sorted them. And what I actually did is I found out the percentage of the breakouts that have happened since 2007... That players in that draft, in that career year from that draft round actually account for. That sounds confusing. Let me put it another way. In my breakout rate table, what I did is I just counted all the hits at each position and then looked at the number of players that hit from that position in the in that career year. So wide receivers drafted in round one, going into their first season, Nine players broke out in that situation. First round draft capital, first season, since 2007. That accounts for about 11% of all wide receiver hits since 2007. I thought that was an interesting number, especially when you sort by it, you find some interesting things. For example, just looking at wide receiver. Wide receivers going into their second season with first round draft capital account for the exact same percentage of all the hits that have happened since 2007 as wide receivers going into their first year uh, with first round draft capital, which makes sense since they have the exact same breakout rate, right? Nine of them happened in both seasons since 2007. The next most likely hit based on all hits that have happened at the wide receiver position is second year wide receivers drafted in the second round. So that gives us an idea. And in fact, they're just as likely to break out as wide receivers draft in the first round going into their first or second season. They account for the same number of hits. So despite they have very different hit rates and very different breakout rates, they actually account for the same percentage of total hits in the NFL since 2007. Which gives us a, an idea of how we had to place them. So anyway... I, I think it's really interesting list to go through um, the positions and see what are the most likely situations or the most common situations for breakouts to happen. And that's essentially what that gives you, the percentage of all positional hits based on their draft round and career year. So second year players with second round draft capital account for the same number of, same percentage of uh, wide receiver breakout 
seasons as first round wide receivers going into year one or two. So let's look at the 2020 season, I guess. Are there any second year wide receivers with second round draft capital? Coming up, well, yeah, we, we know a few, right? Debo Samuel's unfortunately injured, but DK Metcalf, Paris Campbell, okay, and McCole Hardman, Andy Isabella, JJ Segal Whiteside, they're all second-year players with second-round draft capital, and they're actually as likely, or they have in the past, produced as many or the same percentage of breakout seasons as first-round wide receivers in their first and second year. Um, now, those names, just to remind you, first-round wide receivers in their first or second year. Marcus Brown and Nikhil Harry are the two entering their second year. You've also got JJ, uh, you've also got Jalen Rager, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Henry Ruggs, Harry Ruggs, one of those guys, C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, and Justice Jefferson. They're as likely to produce, or they have in the past, produced the same number of bre- percentage of breakout seasons as players like... DK Metcalf, Paris Campbell, McCall Harmon, Andy Isabella, and JJ Sager Whiteside. And already you should be like, well, some of those guys, like, it ain't it. That's that's exactly the point. The snake oil of draft capital hit rates, right? Obviously, Debo Samuels, we now have concern of, of with his foot. Right now, we're projecting him to miss at least two games. But we don't know. Um, DK Metcalf, on the other hand, had a phenomenal first year. And he's as likely as to break to break out into a, the top 24 for the first time this year as any first-round wide receiver. I think that's a really interesting number. But, you know, maybe not. And um, McCall Harbin, I know lots of people are a fan of his efficiency in year one. If that's your thing, this is a good point for him. Andy Isabella and J.J. Segal whiteside I, I liked his rookies, so, you know... It, gives me a little bit more marginal hope, but I'd much rather lean on the fact that neither of them hit any kind of significant volume uh, threshold for wide receivers in their first year. But, you know, I'll take what I can get at this point. The next most likely, or the next... How, how am I going to start saying this? The next group that produced a large, largest percentage of wide receiver hits since 2007 is actually... Uh, third-year players with second-round draft capital. There's some really interesting names there. Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller, James Washington, who I almost forgot about, and I really did like him as a rookie. And again, he's behind Juju. He's behind Deontay Johnson, who had an even better first year than James Washington had second year. Um, And then Dante Pettis, who, you know, I, like, willingly forgot existed, actually. But, you know, if he's someone that you like... Just based on these two, not arbitrary, but unconnected to player ability or talent or college, whatever, draft round and career year, they're the next most common breakout for a single individual season. Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller, James Washington, and Dante Pettis. I think, and I love Christian Kirk, and Anthony Miller's interesting, but he's being drafted at like 130 right now, 130 overall in amongst some players that I like a lot better. The the name that sticks out to me here is James Washington. And that's a terrible situation, but, you you know, I try not to predict the future when I can. He had a 14% target share last season. Um, Also, I'm not going to talk about Zach Pascal, but you should really check out Zach Pascal and where he's going right now. Um, All right. Um, Some other interesting things I noticed... This is actually a year where undrafted, some undrafted free agents are actually more common breakouts 
since 2007, there's some players with a lot more draft capital that we like a lot more. In fact, undrafted free agents entering their second year, again, we should really smush all those years together, which would affect some of this. But I thought it was interesting just off the road that about 1% of breakout seasons, uh, or sorry, 5% of hits that have happened since 2007 are undrafted free agents entering their second season. That's interesting. Now, the names that came up here, Steve Sims, Preston Williams, and Jacoby Myers. Obviously, Preston Myers leads there where he had such a better season before he got injured and Devontae Parker came on. But Jacoby Myers might be a forgotten name in New England as well. And he had a decent rookie season before getting injured himself. And Steve Sims, like, he's in Washington. That, that's the thing about that person. Anyway, um, they're actually more likely, or in fact, or rather, that's a situation, undrafted free agents going into the second season that, that have produced a larger or the same percentage of wide receiver breakouts as... Ooh, I'm trying to read my own sheet. Second round players going into their first season. So they're actually, they're in a situation, they're a type of wide receiver that have produced the same number of breakout seasons as T. Higgins, LaVisca Chenault, Van Jefferson, KJ Hamler, Chase Claypool, so on and so forth. So I think and those undrafted free agents that we're interested in are a really interesting buy going into their second season just based on the percentage of hits that have actually come from those types of players. Um, speeding up now, uh, another name I noticed is Donald Mooney. He's a rookie fifth-round pick, but fifth-round picks have some interesting hit rates um, across different career years. Donald Mooney's going into his first career year, but they have actually produced about 1.3% of all wide receiver breakouts since 2007. Sounds terrible, right? But he's at, that's actually the same percentage of hits that wide receivers drafted in the first round going into their fourth and fifth season have produced. So while that gives us still a little bit more hope for Corey Davis, and again, he had a better second year to keep the snake oil out of hit rates, and Mike Williams has shown a lot more, but going into their fourth year, they're in a situation that have produced the same percentage of hits as fifth-round players going into their first or third, or remember it was an every other year thing, and we should really smush all of those together. But I just thought that was an interesting thing. To put it in better context, because like I might like Mike Worms and Corey Davis for this year at their value, to be honest. But to put it in better uh, context, fifth-round players like Donald Mooney and Marcus Valdez-Scantling, actually, although I do like Devin Funches, actually, that situation has produced the same percentage of hits as John Ross first round wide receiver going into his fourth year so you pick a name out the group that you don't like and suddenly you're like yeah i like donald mooney a little bit more so those are the names that stuck out to me almost also one other and six round players going into their second season produce about one percent of the hits in 2007 um and that's slightly better than a lot of other things um, but he's in this same range with Mike Williams, Corey Davis, uh, and um, Donald Mooney. Kelvin Harmon, again, he's in Washington. That's the thing about that player. And he was also slightly underdrafted. He fell in the draft, in my opinion. And I really liked his college profile. So that's a name that stuck out to me here as well. Scott Miller is here. That's a name, speaking of Anthony Miko, he liked him a lot as well. But he's in Tampa Bay, and, and he wasn't a my guy. But I just saw the name, so I thought I'd mention it. Um... Overall, i got to conclude, this is still too long. 
and I should probably not have ranted about going insane for the first five minutes. And hit rates offer interesting background context, and I do think that this is a really interesting number. The percentage of all breakout seasons that have happened represent this type of situation. I think that's an interesting way of using breakout rate and hit rates to apply context to the 2020 season. But overall, player context matters more. But kind of everyone wants to know breakout rates and hit rates. So, like, here here it all is. I hope it's interesting. Um, As some commenters, like, I really tried to do something different or fancy with these numbers. Um, What I ended up getting told is it's just confusing to look at the inverse of how many... Play, percentage of players are still left to hit at this point in their career that that was confusing to people and um, but some commenters because i put it up on patreon first have been like this really helps me put in context how much i should expect from rookies compared to second and third year players and i definitely think it's good grounding if you've never really thought about player arcs or just getting into dynasty it's a really good background to get in early and um, anyway I, I hope it's interesting hope it's in some way useful I have to stop talking about this and sleep for a little while. Um, so I'm going. I'm going. Uh, one other thing, just before I go, for anyone that hung on this far, I've got to drop because I don't think I could bring myself to save it, say it every episode like every other podcast. I don't know why. I just I, I don't like doing it. I just don't. Um, but I've got to start mentioning, you know, my YouTube and my Patreon because I've got different numbers of people everywhere and I think if I connect you all it might be better so here's that if you could go to your podcast app internet browse whatever you use to listen to this show and other shows leave a a like a subscribe a review I'd really appreciate it it'd really help us out I'd like to know what you're thinking of the show and I also have a YouTube page YouTube backslash pa howdy i think but it's also in the description of the show um i'd really like to know if you're enjoying the videos or which videos are helpful or not helpful liking and subscribing i'm assuming you know how youtube works finally i also have a patreon page um it's free almost everything i post on there is free i do try and keep a few little things for patreons to say thank you but like access to it is for all levels support on there is just support it's not a product i'm selling i try not to do ads i don't do ads anywhere <laughs> um i don't sell you anything but if you have a dollar this month or every month or three dollars or whatever you can or can't afford it's just fine with me but i'd really appreciate any help you could give me with any of that if you find any value entertainment or anything else in any of my work so yeah, ch- check them out, I guess. And now I have fully sleezed myself up. Uh, we need to do something else. Really appreciate it. Uh, let's go. Let's let's do something more fun. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold. So Jake on the table and Nate on the play. So Pete enumerates the plays are analytical. 
Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order, they disorder more and more Because the players ain't no older, they some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders, they got that eye, eye like mortar Peak grinding numbers like molars, I don't know anymore I am at a crossroads Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds, so Jake on the table and they on the place, no Enumerates the plays are analytical Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, play run fold, so Jake on the table and they on the plays, though Pete enumerates the plays are analytical